Welcome to House of the Exvangelical, a podcast about leaving the church, finding God, and discovering who we were really created to be. My name is Christy, and let's do this. Hello, hello, and welcome to the House of the Exvangelical podcast, where God seekers and spiritual wanderers can discuss religion relationship with God, and everything in between. My name is Christy, and today we're going to be talking to Kim Kimball, a life coach and deconstructing Christian. We had a great conversation about faith, fear, and her own practice and experiences in her career. Another huge thank you to Kim for her time last week, and let's get to it. We are back and we are here with life coach Kim Kimball. Thank you so much for being here, Kim. Thank you so much for having me, Christy. Absolutely. Um, Kim, so in one of our early conversations, you told me that you uh, had left the church, but that you still had an active faith. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your religious background? Yeah, sure. So, gosh, where to begin? I grew up in a Presbyterian church for most of my childhood. Um, And then we kind of bopped around as a family to different churches, Methodist churches, Baptist churches, um, always within the Protestant um, tradition. Mm -hmm. And then things took kind of a hard turn when I got out of, well, I think around college time and, and after college to more of assemblies of God and in, and even getting more into um, much more charismatic Pentecostal traditions. And so that was sort of my faith background. Um, and, and yeah, I have a lot of different things that I could weave in there as well, as far as like my husband's faith background and how all of that played into um, what ended up being a faith deconstruction, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> that That is my faith background is, uh, you know, sort of bopped all around within the Protestant traditions um, and ended up in a very charismatic at the end. That's very similar to, to my background as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I ended up in kind of a mega church, non-denominational, but really leaning towards Pentecostal kind of yeah. environment, very charismatic. But um, but I would like to know more about your evolution. I mean, was it one incident or like a lot of different, was it a series of events? What was it like, excuse me, what experiences led you to leave the church? Yeah, so it was definitely a series of things over a course of period of time. So the first thing of which being, I, I got my life coaching certification And when I got my life coaching certification, it was really one of the first times ever since, you know, I was like 16 years old when I accepted, quote unquote, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Mm -hmm. um, that I wasn't around like predominantly people who shared the same faith as me um, in my life coach training. And simultaneously, I was... I grew up in a home where I had a family member who was a drug addict and alcoholic, and I had a lot of, you know, labels attached to me at that time, complex PTSD and, 
um, developmental trauma. And there was a lot of things from my childhood that I needed to work through. And when, you know, I was at this super charismatic church and it really all churches, the the explanation that was our always given to me when I wasn't quote unquote getting over things or getting healed for things was that, you know, God hasn't moved. So clearly I was doing something wrong and I wasn't having enough faith or I wasn't believing hard enough or um, mm. there was something else that needed to be healed. And it felt like this constant treadmill of just striving of um, learning more, doing more, having to be better. There's something in me that's broken that needs to be fixed. And when I discovered life coaching and I went through my life coach training, for the first time ever, I was given this set of tools where I realized I'm not broken. I just have a lot of stuff within me that needs love and it needs care and it needs tenderness and actually needs to be sorted through, not just bypassed over. And so that was the first thing um, that really started to put a crack in the foundation, if you would. And then the next thing that really happened was that um, my husband and I actually come from very different faith backgrounds. So I told you about mine and my husband comes from a faith background where he is just so completely opposite. It's, it's laughable, honestly, but he came from a, a Latin mass only, like a very strict pre-Vatican II um, Catholic tradition. So he is one of 10 kids, Irish Catholic. He has two brothers that are a priest, one sister that, that is a nun, um, you know, just the whole gamut of like complete opposite side of the spectrum. And when we met each other, um, it just, we knew that we wanted to be together and, and working out those differences in faith was a huge testing, so to speak, but we did it. And when we went to get married, I would just say that there was huge amounts of religious trauma that resulted around our wedding. Oh, there man. were multiple family members of his that refused to attend portions of our wedding because they were done in my faith tradition, even though we were married in the Catholic church in order to honor his faith tradition. Mm -hmm. And just some of the things that were said and done were extremely wounding at that time. And just a lot of the different actions around those differences in faith was another huge crack in the foundation where I just the trauma surrounding that was so severe that I began to question like, wow, so much is done in the name of a God of love. And a lot of things just aren't adding up right now. And in the moment, and I began to really be, be more open to searching and seeking and trying to find answers of things that um, the faith had kind of glossed over for me. And the answers weren't adding up for me anymore. And I wanted to have more fullness of truth of why were these things that were supposed to be bringing fullness of life for me not doing that? And where was this disconnect and what was really going on there? Have you given up then the label of Christian? You know, I haven't, Christy. It's not something that feels good to me right now. Um, I have what I would say I would I've gone through a faith deconstruction journey. Yeah. And I am I've come to the place of realizing this has been going on for about 3 years now. And I just now feel like I'm at the place where I realize that deconstruction is kind of a stop on my journey. It's not somewhere I want to stay. I don't want to consistently be 
about what I'm against. I want to really know what I'm for and why. And um, it just doesn't feel extraordinarily life-giving to me to to continue to stay. Like there's still things that I'm deconstructing. I think that I will be deconstructing elements of my faith from now till kingdom come, you know, but right. um, I've started entering more of a stage where I'm wanting to start building, if you would. Um, and and leaving behind the label of Christian isn't something I feel comfortable with simply because, you know, when I read things about what I believe to be the true heart of Christianity, I'm still brought to tears. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still something that's extremely moving to me. And it, when it's done the way I believe it was intended, you know, when I look at the life of Jesus, um, there's nothing more moving to me than the life of Jesus. And there's a lot of trappings around things, of course, that I think weren't the original intention and the original design, and I don't think ultimately bring life. Um, so I know that term Christian can be a really heavy and loaded term. And I know a lot of people who believe a lot of similar things that I believe wouldn't be comfortable with that label. And that's fine. I'm not super attached to it. I just don't quite know what else to call myself, <laughs> if not that. Um, <laughs> because, you know, like I would I would label myself more um, certainly mystical at this point. Certainly I'm less attached to answers and um but ultimately, like Christ and and Jesus and the Christ are my are still my connection point to God. Not that I think that that needs to be the only connection point to God, or that other people are going to hell, or even that I believe in hell anymore. If if that is not their way, um, but I feel like it is my way. You know, it's still yeah. my connection point to God in the way that makes the most sense to me. If that makes sense. No, that that totally makes sense. Um, I'm curious what you mean by mystical. By mystical, I mean a more experiential faith rather than this like heady, constant need to be logical, more of this like body-based, experiential, um, mysterious type of a faith rather than I'm going to have exactly the right theology and all the right bullet points to say, and I'm going to know about God cognitively. I, I more so am interested in a bodily experience with God and God living through me on a daily basis. I like that. I like that definition yeah. of it. Um, you know, I, uh, when I went through my deconstruction period, you know, I felt like I had to give up the label of Christianity specifically because I decided that I didn't believe in the Bible as the absolute truth anymore. You know, that there's yeah. truth in it, but that if I don't accept it as the absolute truth, I have to give up the label of Christianity mm-hmm. and I'm still not sure what to call myself. <laughs> yeah, so I understand I'm, that struggle. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't view it as the absolute truth either. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I, I don't, it, it's it, it's so weird too, you know. I'm not somebody that easily fits in boxes, <laughs> and really yeah. in, in any in any area of life. But in this area, particularly, like you're saying, well, I don't know, I don't know what else I would call myself. Maybe a mystic, I guess. Um, but like I say, ultimately, the fact that I still do believe in Christ and am still so moved by Christ. It's almost like I feel like I want to reclaim the term Christian. I realize there's a ton of cultural baggage. There's a ton of 
wars that have been fought in the name of Christianity that I don't agree with. There's tons of activities done in the name of Christianity that I'm not standing behind. Um, Lots of behaviors, all of that. But ultimately, it's almost like I want to reclaim that word and what I feel like it means for myself. So what advice would you give to, like, I know that there is a huge population within the church right now that is going through deconstruction. Um, But like you, they're not, you know, they haven't left the Christian label. They just have a lot of, have a lot of baggage to work through, like anybody that was brought up in the church does, really. So what advice do you have for that population? Mm. That it's okay to question, Mm. you know, it's okay to doubt, it's okay to not know. Um, The other advice that I would have is really, gosh, this feels really tough to stay, but you might lose friends. And, and there might be division in family. And um, and just to say that from somebody who's been through it, just encouragement that standing in your truth ends up being worth it on the other side. So just a little encouragement, you know, along those lines. Um, and to try to find as much as you can a community of people who you can question these things with and to discuss these things with, you know, I haven't had a ton of people who have gone through a, a faith deconstruction at a similar time, but I've had like three or four key people in my life who have gone through a faith deconstruction that I've been able to talk to. Um, and not that obviously I am, I am so pro difference and learning how to relate to difference. And I still try to maintain relationship with my friends who are still within the church and all of those things. So I'm not saying like only associate with people that think and act like you. Um, but I am saying that it can be really beneficial to have some people who are going through some of the same things to, um, to talk with and to flesh some of these things out with and, and, I would also really say to trust your instincts, to trust your desires. And I know that can be so hard when you're starting out and all we've been taught is to distrust ourselves and distrust our bodies. And um, I think a huge part of my journey has been learning to really relate to my body as a sovereign being and to trust my instincts, to trust my intuition to trust my desires and to trust that those things are actually from God and that they're not leading me astray, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so really learning to come to that place of tuning into your body and, and anything that you can do and get into that minimizes the mind, body, spirit split that Western culture and, and in particular Westernized Christianity has really espoused, I think is so crucial because learning to reintegrate the mind, body, and spirit again is so, so, so important. And devour all the books you can about the topic. You know, see if you can find um, people who you really resonate with their teachings, their thought philosophies, and really start to not, you know, not necessarily just to mimic them, but to, to really start to form your own point of view and say, oh, I agree with this and I don't agree with this. I'm, I'm going to keep this and then I'm going to throw this out, you know, um, mm-hmm. really starting to dig into, um, yeah, just forming your own 
belief system and understanding why and what what has resonated with you and what hasn't and allowing yourself the expansiveness to have those conversations and thoughts. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, And I'd like to move into your life coaching. You mentioned that you are a life coach. Uh, Why did you decide to follow that path? Hmm. I decided to follow it because um, the path that I was on previously didn't feel like my path. It felt like somebody else's path for me. And I quit my job at one point and I went backpacking around the world by myself. And oh, that's I awesome. really, yeah, I went on this whole, I guess, eat, pray, love journey by myself and um, really discovered more of who I was and what I wanted. And I got super clear on that. And when I came back, I discovered life coaching and it literally felt like everything clicking into place for me when I discovered it. And ever since that day, you know, and, and undergoing my life coach training and coaching for three years now, um, it just feels like what I'm born to do. And, and, and it's something that gives me life instead of takes life away from me. Um, it's something that I leave every coaching call feeling invigorated and um, energized and I love it. So yeah, I guess the short end of that is that because it feels like a calling, it feels like I was born to do it. Mm-hmm. While I was looking through your site, you said something that really stuck out to me. And that was fearlessness is not attainable, but learning to practice courage in your life and having a better and having a healthier relationship with fear is. Can you mm. speak to what a healthy relationship with fear really looks like? Yeah, sure. So in my opinion, a healthy relationship with fear, you know, there are all these different parts of ourselves that I think a lot of times in life we have been trained to try to like squash or diminish or um, hide different parts of ourselves and anything that we can consider like quote unquote negative. Um, And I would say that fear falls into that category, right? Um, We want to put off this bravado of we know everything and we are fearless and Um, instead of kind of inviting all of our parts to the table and saying everything belongs and this, this is part of my wholeness and this is part of my humanity and this is part of what makes me me and it's all beautiful and it all belongs. So to me, a healthy relationship with your fear is just that, that you don't view it as something that needs to be fixed. You actually view it as a, an integral part of yourself and you view it as, something that gets to have a seat at the table, but that you don't have to allow it to drive. And that's Mm. the key, key factor of, okay, you get to be here. And I understand that you're trying to protect me on a very real level. And I'm willing to listen to what you have to say um, to me fear, you know, I want to hear, you know, Um, and yet I hear that. And these are all the reasons why I'm competent and can handle this. And you can sit in the back seat, but you're not going to drive. And so to me, that's a very healthy relationship with fear when you're not just trying to stuff it or hide it under a rug or pretend like it doesn't exist. It's allowed to be there and it's allowed to be a part, but it's not allowed to be the driving factor. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that image of fear in the backseat, that it's okay that it's there, but it shouldn't be controlling you. Exactly. Yes. I love that. Um, You know, I also noticed a lot of... uh, 
a lot of verbiage on your site about overextending yourself and and stuffing your needs and feeling overwhelmed. Do you have any, not you, but like your clients that are coming to you, (laughs) Mm. um, your clients that are coming to you that these are things that they struggle with. Do you have any like basic or general advice for my listeners that might be struggling with something like this? Yeah, so specifically, I work with women um, in particular who are trying Mm -hmm. to overcome relational patterns, codependent and people-pleasing relational patterns. So when you're trying to overcome codependency and people-pleasing patterns, which, spoiler alert, that's most all women and the way that women are socialized. Yep. (laughs) So, so yes. So the, the biggest thing here is to realize that if you are like, if you're feeling overextended, if you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling exhausted to view those sensations as signals and as messengers that are telling you that you are lacking boundaries in some way, instead Mm. of, you know, viewing these things of like, Oh, how can I rearrange my calendar more? How can I fit more in? How can I be more efficient? How can I do more, which is honestly just capitalism um, and exploitation of ourselves and our labor. Instead of that, it should really be a cue in our minds of, okay, where am I lacking boundaries? Um, And that's really the place to start. And to be honest with you with boundaries, it's a really easy thing to say, you know, like, where am I lacking boundaries? But there are so many reasons underneath that make women feel like it's not okay to have boundaries and also to not even be aware of what their needs are or how to meet them. That really is, we need to dig underneath a lot before we even get to boundaries. But I would say that it is um, kind of a bigger takeaway just to instead of looking at these things of like, how can I pack more in and how can I do more? It should be a cue in your mind when you're feeling and thinking those things. Okay, I'm lacking boundaries somewhere. Um, And how can I look at why it may be difficult for me to have those and how I can start to feel comfortable having those um, would be a great place to start. Awesome. Now, as someone like myself who has never um, experienced a life coach before, never been through life coaching, a life coaching session, what should someone that's looking for your services expect from that kind of relationship with you or, or how would they even approach you for that? Oh, I love this question. Um, and I love that you haven't experienced life coaching. That is so great. Um, first of all, I would love to offer you a session so you can experience it because I believe in it so much. I just think it's incredible opportunity, um, and can be so life changing, but, um, It really just what I just said to you as well. Every single person that wants to potentially work with me, I love to give a complimentary call. Um, And of course, I love to be generous in that way. But it's also for us to just get a feel for each other and to see um, not just if if you feel like it's a fit working with me, but if I feel like it's a fit working with you, because I believe it only works if both people feel like it's a fit, right? right? A relationship is two sides. But Essentially, it would be a 60-minute coaching session. Um, And really, all coaching is is, isn't me giving you advice or trying to steer you in any particular direction. It's me asking you really deep, thoughtful questions that help you to uncover the answers that are within yourself. Um, So most of the time at the, well, not most of the time, every time, 
um, at the beginning of the session, I'll do a little grounding exercise just to get us in the present moment together um, mm -hmm. and do a little mind body exercise. And then I will ask you what you want to get curious about and focus on. So establish a session focus, establish what you want to see shift after that session focus. And then we'll get into me asking you questions based on what you're telling me and just exploring that topic together. And at the end of the session, I will give, um, I will ask you what your key takeaways were and establish some practices for you to be working on between sessions. Oh, so there's, you give practical homework to help. I refine do. Those that things. is That's awesome. one of the best parts about coaching is that it's not this, um, you know, oh, we go and we have this wonderful, like impactful time for 60 minutes, but then there's no real life takeaway. Um, this is very much, you know, in the nitty gritty. And if somebody actually signs up to work with me for, um, you know, a three month time frame or, or longer than that, sometimes I, I do give them Voxer support, which is a walkie talkie app. So let's mm. say something happens in one of your relationships in real time and you want to talk through it with me, then you can send me that message and we can work through it in real time instead of having to wait until the next session. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And let me tell you, I will be taking you up on that session because that people pleasing woman that you described is me. I would love <laughs> Just like to a lot of us. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, is there, well, first of all, I'd love for you to tell my listeners where they can find you on social media and online. And if there's anything else you'd like to leave us with, please do. Yeah, I just would love to leave people with knowing um, that they are worthy of the thriving relationships that they crave and that they can have sovereignty within themselves and, and, instead of relational anxiety, you know, and all of these common relationships that we see relational anxiety with their partners, with their friends, with their coworkers, with their clients, um, it, it is possible to move into a place of, of so much sovereignty and standing in your own power. Um, and then it's something that you deserve and it is so possible. So I will leave you with that. And where you can find me on socials, um, my website is Kim Kimball, K-I-M-B-A-L-L -L is how you spell my last name, dot com. Um, and my being able to follow me on socials, I'm most present on Instagram, and that's at Kim Kimball Coaching is uh, my Instagram handle. So I would love to see you pop by. Feel free to shoot me a DM. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here, Kim. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was fun. Join us on social media to continue the conversation. Follow House of the Exvangelical on Twitter and Instagram at H-O-T Exvangelical. Yes, that's hot Exvangelical, because aren't we all hot for both handles? You can also email us at houseoftheexvangelical at gmail.com. Please follow or subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening app, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to leave an honest review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.